<laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 144th edition of the Frank and Stan chat. And for those of you watching on video, you will notice that we have a guest and it's Adrian Gray, who's been a guest here before. Hello, Adrian. Good morning, Frank. Hello, yes, and uh, Stan, I think caught out by the fact that we're doing this recording a day early. Yeah, well, you know, my, my diary in my head only has yesterday, today and tomorrow, so <laughs> if you're going to change things in advance, it doesn't work. <laughs> now, for, those... <laughs> for those of you uh, who have seen Adrian on Frankenstein chat before, um, it We've now, um, it would be interesting for uh, Adrian just to remind everybody how we know each other and uh, the sort of work you do at the moment. So could you do that for us? Oh, gosh, uh, Frank and I used to work together in the land of Mordor, didn't we, Frank? <laughs> so that was working for, Adrian had a very senior role in Ofsted when I was there as well. So, uh, and what was that, Adrian? What was, how, well, I don't think we worked together and at times you were, very challenging towards uh, the work that uh, I was leading on. But uh, what was it that you were involved in? Uh, well, we had, um, we had uh, I mean, I had various roles in Austin, but actually I started off in what used to be called the school improvement team, where we spent all all the term in schools that had already failed their inspections. It actually was a fascinating uh, piece of work. But I ended up, we had a, a team called Challenge and Analysis, and actually what I wanted to do was to call it Challenge Investigation and Analysis uh, and hope that nobody noticed the, the acronym, but somebody spotted that. But uh, the uh, our, our role was to... <laughs> you, know, you didn't know that one. No, I didn't know that. Uh, our role was to um, you know, do the internal evaluation of Ofsted. So uh, we'd look at things like there's a new children's home framework come out. Uh, how effective is it? Uh, so we do that. And also we used to uh, do investigations into particular issues, gather intelligence on um, various issues that uh, were of interest. And I'll, I'll give an example because actually it was a fascinating one, but it never got published at the time. But um, Ofsted used to get frequent complaints from junior schools that they were being disadvantaged by infant schools inflating their key stage one assessments. Um, and I can remember sitting at home thinking, well, how, how the heck can we uh, get an answer to this one? So we had a bright idea, which we'd, we'd investigate what happened when infant and junior schools merged. Uh, and it was a great idea because actually it actually produced the data which proved absolutely conclusively that infant schools uh, pushed their data up. And the summer before they merged with the junior school, the data went down. And it, we, that was the case in 24 out of 25 mergers. Uh, that actually proved too controversial. We weren't allowed to publish it. So, uh, <laughs> I also remember you going around the office uh, saying about um, uh, schools that are at the coast, coastal schools. I remember you coming around, you'd done some research to say that this was an area that you know, it hadn't actually been picked up before. I remember you sort of unpicking that for us and then me thinking about, well, how, how the hell am I going to, you know, what, what do we do about that? You know, it felt to me as if the evidence was there, but actually nobody actually collated it in that way before. Nobody had ever looked at it in that way. Well, I, I used a bit of my, I mean, I'm a historian and a geographer by background, so I used a bit of my geography and we thought, well, let, let's pick an area 
on the coast and see what we can find out about it. We actually picked Hastings. Uh, and the result was that Sir Michael Wilshire got quite excited about Hastings, yes. if you remember, Frank. And I think <laughs> even somebody asked a question as to why people were bullying Hastings. Any, any <laughs> um, but what, you know, what was fascinating there was we found that you know, there were schools which had a long history of, of struggle. Uh, and that really helped to inform my, my view of failing schools, which is that there are two categories. There's ones we call epidemic and there's endemic. Mm. And the epidemic ones are effective, you know, usually perhaps a, a small village school where the where the head has gone off on a tangent about something or other and it all blows up and then quickly recovers. Or you've got endemic schools where there are per, underlying significant problems that frequently overwhelm the leadership. And, you know, we've got those early academies that, that failed, for example, and then were re rebadged and failed again. Uh, those those sorts of things and they need different approaches yeah i agree i mean that's really interesting because i remember as a head that there were schools not far from where i was that should have been good schools at least and yet three headships into it and it was still the same struggling school and and it's almost the same now yeah. <laughs> 25 years later yeah, yeah. yeah. and well, it's not going to four catchment area I mean, that, that'd be an interesting one, but what usually what we found was the endemic schools were places like Hastings, where they had trouble recruiting good teachers, for example, mm. or uh, they were, comp I mean, I, I've got an academy not very far from me, um, which has gone through various uh, identity crises, and it's, you know, it's the other town, other school in the town with a selective school. Yeah. So it's, it's always the one that people don't want to go to and teachers don't want to work at so yeah. much. So, uh, so those are underlying problems that need different solutions. You can't keep failing it every time. Uh, and it's as if sometimes, I mean, I'm thinking you've triggered something in my mind because I was, um, I won't say this, the academy, um, but there's an academy that I, um, I know of that only has about 20% of its kids actually who start in year seven get to year 11. It's, you know, and, and areas like Hastings are face those sorts of challenges as well, that sort of high mobility. You know, Some kids will come in for one year, they disappear for a year, then come back a year later. And it's those sorts of things we were talking before about, you know, clearly that is a key factor for that academy in managing um itself and in and improving um but actually when you read the reports and the countless Ofsted reports of this particular school there's hardly any reference to those sorts of challenges you know which actually contextually is quite important to understand the challenges they're facing and actually just saying to the school again well it's still not a good school you know it's it's just throwing money at something which actually the problem is sitting there but nobody wants to talk about it you know um, Do you remember the school on the army base, Frank? Yeah. That had no children. <laughs> no children were there for their entire life, so that the key stage two sats had no relevance whatsoever to the key stage ones. Yeah. Because they were an entirely different school. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 yeah. Well, we could. Anyway, that's what Adrian used to do. And as you can see, it evokes <laughs> quite a lot of discussion. And, and uh, it was a, a, a very, ex I mean, I have to say in my career, it was one, one of the most exciting periods of my working life. 
um, working um, with with Adrian well, and having I'll play to. How you like the no, well, it's, it's 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 just it's that interesting bit as you were saying that sometimes your organisations need to be open to these sorts of internal challenges because if they're not, then external challenges will come and they won't be ready for them. You know, it's, it's part of that sort of culture of. <laughs> Of, of of intrigue and uh, of examination and that sort of stuff, which I think, um, yeah, I think Ofsted perhaps is well, perhaps wasn't always keen on that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I think there's an, actually there's sort of an organisational life cycle that you you see things go through. Like uh, if it's about some of them being retailers, for example, I can remember when Sainsbury's were sort of the the sort of lead fashionable supermarket. And then they got to a stage where they became a bit smug and they and they lost market share. And the same with Marks and Spencers, for example. They were everybody's high street shop. You know, a whole generation went there and they they didn't actually question themselves enough. And everybody has to question themselves. Otherwise, they they uh, atrophy us, I suppose. Yeah. Which is why yeah. self-evaluation is yeah. so important. It's yeah. off their self-evaluate. I don't think so, really. No, no. Um, okay, John Lewis is another example, isn't it? Quite topical. Well, yeah, that's it. Mm. Okay, um, right, Adrian, what's um, caught your eye this week? Well, the uh, most recent thing I've done, actually, I've done an update on my investigation into what primary deep dives are going on. Uh, and this is this is something that Ofsted tells me they don't investigate anymore because it's not interesting to them, which is surprising you might say um and people who, who follow me on linkedin will know that in the past i've been fascinated by the fact that well the the uh, the third most important subject in the country according to oster deep dives has been history uh, and a, a strangely high proportion of primary deep dives have been into history um so that uh, last July I looked at this and it was reading and maths at the top obviously and then history well ahead of anything else so I've just had another look to see whether that's changed in the latest batch of reports published and well it's changed a little bit but not that much so it's still the case that history is the third uh, most popular subject to to, to get a visit um, and you might think well uh, perhaps science is up there behind it because, after all, science is quite important. important. Did you say science is important, Frank? I think I would say science was quite important. Bearing in mind, you know, um, how important it is when students progress into secondary education, uh, and, uh, and 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 history doesn't appear to be quite so important. Adrian I doesn't have quite the same prominence. Enough to have some sats in it. Do you remember yes, those? I do, yeah. they, they abolished those. And thought, well, according to Ofsted Primary Deep Dive, science is now the seventh most important subject. <laughs> no, I don't know why I'm laughing. I, I just, it's the yeah. thinking about how all this is meant to join up. You know, I mean, if 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 they if I'm we have business leaders here know. talking to us now, listening to us, they'll be thinking, hang on a minute. You know, you mean to say the inspector mm -hmm. that, that goes into all schools is is not encouraging schools to give greater prominence to things like design technology? Because what's the situation for design technology then in primary schools, Adrian? Have we had any? Uh, uh, almost off the bottom, Frank. Almost <laughs> off the bottom. Uh, hardly. I've, I looked at ninety-eight 
um, recent primary inspections, and I think one or one or possibly two were were in design technology. But on the other hand, the fourth most popular subject was art. Ah. So can you find oh, a well. rational reason why art should have vastly more deep dives than DT? No. And off the top of my head, Adrian, like history, is it something that when you think knowledge is, is the key thing to, to learning, that something like history and art have a fairly easy list of knowledge you could check? Is it, well, does I that, think that work? That, that's, a, that's an interesting view, Stan. That, I mean, that's I'm, a bit, I'm, actually, I'm that's a, a red rack to a bull, that saying that to a historian. I know that, but but I'm talking about an inspector who has to make a choice on what they're going to deep dive in. I'm not yeah, talking about I, a historian I, I, who would do it in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about I describe uh, these uh, as soft entry subjects. Yeah, um, and it, you know, there. I remember somebody um, talking to me about this before that um, they appear to be relatively accessible. Um, compared to computing languages or tech design technology, which you might think, oh, I need to know a bit more about that. Mm. So, I, where's, I think where's music on the list? Uh, music, where's music oh, on the list? Well, music actually ha, ha, it's higher, but only by sort of one or two. So, and and it hasn't improved. So, art, art has been the big uh, the big increase. A little bit into geography. Um, but you know that they, 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 I think they're more. They appear more technical these subjects, and also, is it that schools think that mm. therefore they're better at it as well? Because you've got to remember, these primary schools are not experts, mm. and there's a, there's a real big question about whether this is deliverable in small primary schools. Yeah, I mean, what have you? I mean, you've done a lot of work, haven't you, um, with regard to small primary schools? I mean. I think when we spoke last time, you were sort of fairly critical of the way this framework appeared to expect there to be subject leaders in all settings. Um, and in fact, I'm hearing of that in some nursery schools. Yeah, I've told you that last week, yeah. Frank. Um, the subject lead in nursery. So, um, I mean, is there any further insight that you can offer with regard to small schools and whether they're, I mean, Ofsted said they were going to train sad they're going to train uh their inspectors to better understand you know the the particular issues around small schools but is there a better story to tell do you think well i, I did hear that they'd set up a small schools working party but um i've not seen any evidence that it's yeah. had any effect um and certainly up, up until the last lot of management information came out a couple of months ago uh, we were still in the situation. Well, let me let me ask Stan a question. How many how many schools of under a hundred pupils do you think have been graded outstanding under the current framework, Stan? Uh, I would think not very many because they 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 can't achieve it virtually because of the well the nature of the school. And I know well, I, I was talking re- of inspections. Have, have a guess how many? Come on, Stan. Um, well, you'd want it to be about. 10%, wouldn't you? Between 5 and 10%. Well, sadly, there's only ever been one school. And that had 99 pupils. Oh, so uh-huh. that barely counts. So if you're basically, if you're under 100, you've got no chance. No chance. 
Well, I, I used to support a school that had 32 children in the whole school and one head and one teacher. So presumably both those had to have subject knowledge of every subject and know that the other one was also teaching those subjects in the in the right order. We used to say sim- good. <laughs> simple things like appraisal in those schools. When when appraisal came in and we were, you know, heads were told you go and do observations and you're hard on people. I used to say in a two teacher school, you appraise the other person and you're hard on them and tell them they're not doing good. And then you have to say, can I have me lift home as usual? Because <laughs> <laughs> schools don't work. Like <laughs> yeah. Let's go and sit in the staff room now and have our coffee. Well, I, I went to a small school a few years ago where there was a relatively new head. Uh, and she she said to me, she said, when I, when I came to this school, the two teachers had been there for five years and they hadn't spoken to each other for two years. <laughs> I, I was telling Frank about an amalgamation that we did of two very small schools, one uh, with probably 50 children in, one with 30. And the head had agreed to, to cover both schools. Wasn't quite an executive head yet. We weren't at that stage, but was going to cover two schools. So the... Uh, the finance team rang him up to say it'd be a cut in salary for him because one of the two schools was a smaller school than his. <laughs> so, so therefore, the fact he was taking on another school would mean a cut in salary. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, one of the things, Adrian, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but also you've you've put a few FOI requests into Ofsted, haven't you? Oh, well... It- I, I think everybody should because it's it's entertaining. You don't always get a very entertaining reply, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I've I've been doing um, one of my sort of sit at home jobs is is school website reviews for a for a particular local authority, which is one of those things where you think oh, this doesn't sound very exciting, but when you get into it, you start to notice things. You see, and um, I was I was particularly interested that. There is a requirement uh, on schools under the Equality Act to publish an annual equality, uh, almost a sort of commentary, really, as a report on your compliance. And what I noticed in the schools I was looking at was that hardly anybody ever does. They, They all publish a policy. And some of them, but not all, publish objectives, which are also a, a statutory requirement. Um, but hardly any of them ever published uh, one of these reports, which is meant to be factual and talking about how you're doing, sort of self-evaluation. Mm. So um, I, I got quite interested in this, and I, and I noticed in the Ofsted, um, their latest stuff on their equality objectives, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. Objective one, we will assess the extent to which education providers comply with the relevant legal duties as set out in the Equality Act. So what does that mean? Well, surely it means that they must be checking whether schools are doing what the Equality Act says, including including this. Um, So uh, what I then thought, well, I'll, I'll have a look. Because compliance checking is quite a topical issue lately, isn't it? It is. Well, um, there is this so thing, I, isn't it? Just I, to say, Adrian, that some software was uh, there is some software that I was not aware of this until a couple of weeks ago that triggers uh, an alert to schools when people like you go onto a page of a website which normally nobody looks at, 
And so that therefore uh, becomes a trigger that is a possible Ofsted inspection looming. Um, but actually, it might just mean that it's Adrian Gray showing some interest in your website. Well, Frank, <laughs> to make it even worse, it leaves a trail with the word Ofsted in it. Oh, does it? Because, because they log in from Ofsted. <laughs> oh, so no, it's I'm not Adrian Gray. From Ofsted, so. So, it's not. It's not but, because. But so, um, I mean, what, what I I'll have a look at some outstanding schools, and I've I've done this twice now, um, and in my my last lot, I looked at sixteen schools that be judged outstanding, and I thought, well, let's see whether they can they they meet um equalities legislation. So you go on the website, and of these of these sixteen. Uh, it's another guess for Stan. How many do you think Stan publish an equalities <laughs> annual? I love review? this. Keep going, Adrian, with the guesses for Stan. Uh, I, I would, I would say probably none. None is the correct, is oh, the correct well, answer. Uh, none of them. None of them did. Now, actually, some schools do, and I have found some examples of schools around oh, right. the country that do publish very good ones. So clearly, people do know about it out there in the system but of these outstanding schools including top grammar schools shall we say uh, none of them published a compliant report and indeed two or three didn't even publish their objectives right. which pretty well everybody knows you've got to got to have um there's there's also some that simply have a link to their trust site uh, I'm not sure whether that is legally acceptable or not, mm. uh, because the school is a is a separate school. It's not not actually yeah, because it's, in it's inspected in under the unique reference number rather than the trust. A Adrian, yeah. is there a statutory duty to have a website? Uh, no, there's a well, there, there is a there is a little caveat about what you must do if you've not got a website, uh, but you can actually place your stuff on somebody else's website. <laughs> But I'm not aware of a school that hasn't got no. a website, but they may. No, I, I, I've just often thought that sometimes they 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 issue dictates of you must, you will, without understanding that that actually beyond that, there's no requirement to do it. Um, well, this is a should. This is a should, um, which means that you've got to have a good reason not to do it. Oh. And and I don't believe that that a huge proportion of our outstanding schools have got no reason for, for taking this seriously. So you you, you, you submitted an FOI request to Ofsted around this issue? So I, I asked Ofsted um, what they know about it, and guess what they said? <laughs> they don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know anything. They said, we, don't, we, we can't search our reports for the word equality because it'd have to be done manually, and anyway, we're not the regulator, so it's not our job. Even though it says in their objective one that we will assess the extent to which providers meet the relevant legal duties. So they can't, both of those answers can't be true. Can't one true. of them's got to be wrong. But but we know, I mean, well, I won't say we. I In my time, which is way back, uh, I left in 2012, it was very easy to do a search of um reports because in fact i i was doing that frequently um to find yes. out how much emphasis was being given to certain things and also it's a critical thing when you you know the big challenge is when you had a job like mine and adrian's was the annual report you know because actually you had to start doing all that sort of stuff to get 
a view as to you know what are the important things because you'd read lots of them but you'd have to investigate other other aspects the only way you could do that is by doing word searches so i can't understand why they're saying they don't have the technology now when they did have it in 2012. Yes, and, and and you and I probably could name the people who would do it for you. For you, yeah. And some of them are, are still They're there. Still there. Yeah. So they they can't tell us what's in their deep dives because they don't connect collect that information, and they can't tell us what's in a report. So how do they know anything? <laughs> I don't, just out of interest, because I try, I was trying to search um, Ofsted reports by name of inspector, and I couldn't do that. Are they PDFs? I can't think now. Or are they Word documents? They are PDFs um, on online. So, so but, PDFs aren't searchable anyway. No, but they they will have those those PDFs, or they they because this these were PDFs in my time, but but right. in, but but even so, they would still be able to do that. And and actually, you can overwrite the PDF function, can't you? You can still there is software that's available that allows you to do that. So um yeah but you'd have to you'd have to if you wanted to search let's say for um I don't know uh, safeguarding mm -hmm. in in all reports you'd, you'd have to do each report you'd have to turn it back into a word document yeah. and so it wouldn't be any quicker yeah but I, I I I mean I I I all I know is that nothing appears to have changed from what was happening in 2012 to what's happening now Unless they've stripped well, out. You must something. be able to do it, Frank, because of those people who who look for inspectors using the same phrases, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, there is. So yeah. that that must search the report somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could do something useful with that and search for equality. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't take long, would it? Um, well, they could do all the deep dives. That would that would tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you'd yeah. hope somebody was doing this to you know to make the annual report a really interesting. Uh, bit of sort of academic research to sort of offer a new insight into some of the findings from Ofsted reports but don't hold your breath anybody um I can't see that happening anytime soon um no, the, la the last one was remorselessly uninteresting really. yeah yeah Stan what's caught your eye this week well it's, it's first of all I wanted to say to Adrian when he was trying to get his uh his uh group to be called CIA CIA was it you were yes. you were trying yeah. to get I was once in charge of a team that was curriculum support and um innovation CSI Charlie we were. <laughs> 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 that was my best title <laughs> um, but on, on Ofsted what's caught my eye this week was reading the, uh, the the chief inspector's response to the tragedy um of a head teacher mm. committing suicide uh, and finding in it no real contrition, just just a, a statement. Um, but what in one point argues that, yes, it's possible to argue against um, a one-word grade, and then in the same sentence virtually says that that's really useful to parents and to um, government. And I just felt that if if she feels that one word, is accurate compared to the rest of the report. She's not reading reports, mm. or she's certainly not reading reports as a parent does, because I still think that the first two paragraphs where they talk about the delights of the school, even in schools that are inadequate, doesn't match the inadequate judgment that comes because something's wrong in leadership or 
children might potentially might not be safe. There's one I've read recently where children are safe, and then later on it says, but the it's inadequate because of things that might mean that children are not safe. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I thought that a little bit with the Caversham one, because I was trying to work out, because there's some references to behaviour at break times and supervision, and I, I couldn't really understand from the report, is that was there actually a problem or was there a potential problem? Yeah. It wasn't clear to me. No, no. Well, two things I've read since then from people who are either at the school or, or involved with it. It was wet playtimes every day. It was it was two days of torrential rain the, the inspection was in, and that two two children had a, a set two in in one of the classrooms during the, the communal time. And according to the inspector, it wasn't dealt with adequately. Right. Yeah. It, uh, so I mean... that's like saying any school on any day could end up with inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, we've tried to steer a little bit away from the detail of it, haven't we, really, over the last week or so? Um, Because, in a way, the reports don't tell you very much. You know, where you end up... I mean, that's the the issue. Yeah. 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 So uh, you don't really get... I mean, the issue is that it should... Presumably, it more detail will come out in, in later time. But I don't want to focus on that report. I've read recently quite a number of reports mm. of, of schools where, still in my view, a techni- technicality has caused problems with safeguarding and led to an inadequate judgment. And I just, yeah. I don't feel as, I, it's like an audit. If we take an audit, if your audit is unsatisfactory, you're given a short amount of time, and it is short, to put it right, and then there's another statement to say, right, it's been done properly. I think we, that should be part of the process. If you correct something within two weeks, then or before the report's published, it should say in the, pub, in the published report, these issues have now been solved. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think about this, and, and you know, the technical bit about the safer recruitment is about compliance with regulations. Now, um, Ofsted said on the equalities issue that it's not the regulator. But on this one, it's acting as the regulator because uh, there's a draconian uh, reaction if you make a mistake on a recruitment check, for example. And I'm I'm not condoning mistakes on on recruitment checks, but it's... it's No, I I agree with you. You know, um, and... That then has an impact on the quality of education. And as you say, it can be fixed within a few hours. It's it's not actually a problem. Mm. Um, And what gets less attention is actually how effective are they at um, maintaining the safety of the children that they've got. Um, So the child protection Mm. stuff. And really what I want to know in schools is where, where a child's been... Um, considered at risk did the school notice yes, that, yes. that's the that's the thing mm. that really matters in terms of their care of the children uh, and it'd be helpful if we could just put the regulation in a separate system somehow yeah 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 because I, I find it very frustrating when we don't get to hear about how well the um, school is engaging with 
the local authority over these matters. Yeah. Because there are some where there are reviews held for, for children for pupils and nobody's present from the school. Mm. And nobody follows that up. You know, for me, that is a that that to me is quite quite a serious weakness, but but that's never really investigated. You know, the relationship between the school and the local authority used to be a key element of uh, of judgment making. You know, certainly in the sort of framework of two thousand three two thousand and five, those were key elements that that gets little regard now. You know, so we end up with local authorities being inspected. You know, for that those that provision. And there's no, and, and there might be the odd visit to a school, but there isn't this alignment between or investigation or, or examination of what schools are actually doing, to, you know, in terms of all the schools and their relationship with the local authority. You know, to me, that seems to be critically important. And we've just, and as schools are becoming now this sort of fourth emergency, you know, sort of mechanism, you know, that, that's critically important, isn't it? That that relationship is really strong. And 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 I know from my own experiences of the. Uh, areas that I look at that some are really really in with the local authority and working really hard to make that work and to make the community safer and there are others that giving it very little regard anyway I'm yeah, going to I finish mean, there's on. a bit there Frank that you know the the focus should be proportionate to the risk now in you know in the history of social care that is a fascinating topic in itself yeah. you know the, the highest risk is that children die now where do children die? Children die because nobody noticed what their problems were, usually at home. Um, and therefore, what we need to really know is, are schools good at noticing? That That's the absolute mm -hmm. priority. And remember, there's the case in, in Coventry, I think, where the school failed to notice and the yeah. child died. That's really important, much more really, as it must be said, than, than some of the minor technical checks that are required not to say that they're not essential no. uh, but where's the where's the focus of attention yeah mm. well um it's we don't plan these discussions too much but mark was caught my eye this week but it sort of fits in a little bit with this is i've uh, been a bit critical of uh, the, the the children's commissioner dame janet uh, de souza um because i felt as though um up to quite recently she's sort of been I mean, the office that the, the Children's Commissioner's office has moved to the DFE building in London. I felt that was a really, really bad move. Um, I, I, I wasn't involved, obviously, in that decision, but I can't, I can't understand why people can't see the potential problems that that presents in just the presentation of it. Um, and so I and also a, a few photos where the Children's Commissioner has, has had her photo taken with key trust leaders you know i just felt i find all of this just a little bit too close but what i have to say is well done to the children's commissioner for speaking out about uh, the current legislation that's trying they're trying to drive through with regard to the boats and the children on those boats and and actually saying that you know how um it's it's grossly you know negligent of the part of government to try and ensure that children who come across the boats who often don't know where they are actually going they, they there's the risk of trafficking as well but they will be treated in exactly the same way as an adult you know so they and what she's doing is calling this out and i and i and i want to say well done to to the children's commissioner for highlighting this you know this 
this gross abuse of power in, in my eye um you know in my eyes i just feel as though it's it's wrong and i'm i'm pleased that she's standing up against the government's uh, uh, current sort of legislative program so well done i never thought i'd say that but well done um okay uh anything else we want to cover today i i'm going to have to leave in a second frank That's sorry fine. And we're going to go. So, so before we do, Adrian, if there was one thing you could change in education, what would it be? Oh dear. <laughs> um, 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 I, I, there's there's lots of lots of tinkering that you can do. I think that's one one of the one of the issues. I think um, there's too much variation. We need every every. We, we need to even up the, the the bottom from the top a bit. A yeah. lot of the resources and attention go in particular areas, and we've got a distorted system. Um, so if I go back to the endemic and epidemic, you know, I'm I'm thinking about my my local place that's got selective education. Uh, that inherently creates a problem for kids who are on the wrong side of that divide. Uh, and actually, what we need most of all is to make sure that the the quality is everybody's right, the same quality for, for everybody. Well, I think we've got that. I'll give you that, John. No, I think you're no well, we'll go along with that. Anyway, well, um, thanks, everybody, for watching, and thanks, Adrian, for joining us again. I'll be sending you another diary appointment Thank for you. 2024. So it's fascinating having you on as a guest, and uh, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody next week. So take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>